Wrestling with the Future Podcast Network proudly presents Having Coffee with the King. Pete Wilcox having coffee with the King. I am with uh, with my my friend uh, Pete. You're turning your cup around. You faked me I, out. I here. want you to see Isaiah. Okay. Oh, okay. on the back it says, uh, "Blessed are the footsteps that bring good news." But in the front, it's Isaiah. So I was, I was rolling with my intro, and then you flip that cup, and like I got all discombobulated, brother. Well, here you, you go. This is a deck the halls. We're going to deck the halls tonight. There you go. Absolutely, let's deck lots of halls. <laughs> Salud. Well, I got to deck the halls there. Absolutely. Ugh. Well, my friend, um, when last we spoke, uh, you were about to do a gig, and I was going to see Andrea Bocelli. Yes, that's right. And that's so right. how did your gig turn out? Um, yeah, well, my gig was okay. You know what's funny? Uh, because of my condition, I'm a little tired. I get a little fatigued. Um uh, and I don't work as often, maybe a couple of times a month. If I work more regularly, then I would be in better shape for that. I'm being naughty. But my New Year's resolution is to be in better shape, uh, be more physical. But the job went well. I'm very blessed. I enjoy doing what Good. I do. I love to sing. So, Good stuff. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you uh, what. Speaking of singing, brother. Oh, man, I heard the creme de la creme last Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my wife and I, um, for our anniversary, went to see Andrea Bocelli. Well, let me tell you what. Um, our seats were next to God. We were way, <laughs> way, way up yeah. in the arena. 20,000 people coming out to see an opera singer. Oh, wow. Okay, 20,000 plus. Came out to the Philadelphia Wells Fargo Center. To see Andrea Bocelli perform, and I'm going to tell you something. That man's voice lifted the roof off that building. I it, bet was it was nothing short of spectacular. He's wonderful. And, uh, and I said it was appropriate that we were up in the, the nosebleed sections with Jesus up there because that man was singing to heaven, and we heard every blessed, beautiful note. Uh, I, I have a song that I wish I could get to him. Yeah, I really do. I, uh, I very. I don't like the idea of giving my songs away because I think they're my ticket in, and it's and and that's foolish. I need to let go of that feeling. Yeah. But the, I do have a song that I think would be worthy of him. It's called "Forevermore," and it's a, a spiritual song. And, I know uh, the song. I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love for him to do it. I, you know, I. I well, you know, I'll tell you what. Um, there's uh, there's a little. Little ray of hope for you is that he has a son named Matteo Bocelli. Um, you might want to get it to him, he's very accessible. Okay, that's a very uh, good idea. Yeah, uh, it's Matteo Bocelli, it's, uh, it's really easy to reach. Um, he's got a heck of a voice, this kid. And uh, and if he doesn't do it, and certainly his father, oh my god, I could see Andrea performing forevermore. Um, and it's a beautiful song. I love it. And uh, the the thought of Andrea Pocelli performing that song is just it know, would be remarkable. To tell you the truth, I mean, uh, you said something that made struck a chord in my heart. How about the two of them doing the song together? Oh my God! Please, it's interesting you say that. He brought his nine year old daughter up on the stage with him. 
He travels with a, a, a touring troupe, Pete. There were pop singers, opera singers. There were ballet dancers. There was a woman from England who played the, the electric cello, who sang and performed. She did the, uh, the, the old Sting song, Roxanne. Oh, yeah. Like you've never heard it before. Wow. And um, he had his nine-year-old daughter, and they sang Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. They sang Hallelujah. And what an amazing stuff. If you ever want to hear that, go on YouTube. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, when this is over, I, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Angelo and I visiting on your dime. Yes. Well, we're gonna. I really want to talk to you about all of this because I would like to make an effort. And again, the idea of the father and the son singing that song, yeah, was just, it's just wonderful. And even oh my though it's a family affair, it would be wonderful. The, absolutely, of course, of course, you know. And we do this. Yes, it's. It's we're we're borrowing their dime and we're doing so because we're trying to pay pay forward that dime um, okay. and, and paying forward is, is what it's all about um, paying forward and with music. In fact, music is uh, it's a currency and believe it or not, Pete, music was used as a currency. You heard the expression singing for your supper. Sure. Well, people used to literally have to sing for their supper. Back in the day. I That's, have done it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you made a living. Part of, <laughs> part of my pay, that, that, that'll keep you humble. But part of my pay these days is uh, the salary plus dinner. There you go. There you go. Singing for your supper. No way around that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's what we did. And it was an amazing, amazing show. Um if he comes around this way again, I'm definitely going to go see. Um, I have a, a renewed um, a, a, a renewed love, I guess, if you want to say, for the arts. Mm -hmm. uh, opera in particular. I, I love the classics. I really do. And uh, it surprised me. I, I have to say this. And I know the whole world is listening, but listen to me. My wife turned me on to this guy, okay? I had no idea who he was, and I wasn't even interested. But when my wife showed me this guy, I thought to myself, wow, he's got a heck of a little voice. Maybe he's going to go some places, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he went some places. Holy crap, brother. Well, the first uh, time I saw him, of course, our hearts are touched by the fact that he deals with what would seemingly be a handicap and he he's overcome it completely it doesn't doesn't pertain to him but what it does is it lovingly makes you stop and say okay what have you got and then you find out but uh, he has certainly addressed his life in the world with an amazing talent and he seems to be a very gracious loving man um and i i would love to offer something to that phenomena. And uh, the only thing I would have to offer, I feel like the little drummer boy, all I've got is this song. Yeah. But Sometimes that's like all it takes. Yeah, you would honor me if you would like to sing it. Absolutely. We'll find a way to get it to him. Look, there's always a way. I've been around this. I've been around this business way, way too long to know. There, there's always a way. 
Well, that so, and then David Foster is his producer. David would be an interesting uh, individual. Well, David's no longer producing him. Oh, okay. No, his uh, his is actually his son is. <laughs> oh, then he is who we yeah. want to get to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. David Foster is busy with his own. Th actually, David Foster will be in Atlantic City uh, the week before Christmas next week. Actually. Okay. Uh, at the Borgata. Um. The casino here in, in Atlantic City. Um, yeah, he draws them in too. He really packs them in. So this is our Christmas show. This is one of our Christmas shows. Oh, wait we, a second. Uh, I, 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 you made me think Atlantic City. You were making me think of a friend of mine, a wonderful artist in uh, in New Jersey. Uh, in case there are any baseball fans out there, um, are, well, you're a, a New England guy. Were you ever infatuated at all with the Brooklyn Dodgers? Not not whatsoever. Okay. They were my boyhood heroes. And one of them just got into the Hall of Fame. And we've been trying to get him in for at least 40 years. He was one of the all-time great ball players. His name is Gil Hodges. Oh, sure. I know the name. Absolutely. Gil was the first baseman, and the boys are some of the wonderful Brooklyn Dodgers of the 50s. Uh, an interesting question, one of the reasons he made it. Um, I'm going to ask you and our wonderful people, do you know who the number one home run hitter of the 50s was? I wouldn't even venture a guess. Okay. The logical ones, the ones that most people go for, maybe Mickey Mantle, uh, Ted Williams, maybe Willie Mays. Actually, the number one home run hitter in the 50s was Duke Snyder. Center field, Brooklyn Dodgers. There you go. Number two was Gil Hodges, the first baseman. And he didn't make it into the Hall of Fame. A quick love story about Duke Snyder. Um, Duke hadn't gotten into the Hall of Fame by 1980, and he was very troubled. Because usually you get in five years after you're eligible. He yeah. hadn't made it. Duke is a born-again Christian, and his pastor said, Duke, leave it in God's hands. It's going to be okay. And Duke said, I did exactly that, and the next year I got in. Well, in my search for love and recognition and expression, I ran into Duke Snyder. He was a baseball card signing, and I went to see him. Yeah. He so kind, and he, he signed a picture and, and a, a baseball, and I came back to see him a couple of times, got to where he knew who I was, and when I read the book that he was a born-again Christian, I cut the cover of the book out, Yeah. the fact it has the trailers, and I cut out the page where he said he gave his life to Christ. I took that in a matting to him, and he signed on the matting, yours in Christ, Duke Snyder. Beautiful. How about that? That's a story. I love it. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful story? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And that was and my Christmas present to myself that year. You see how I did that? For you. That was good, huh? That was beautiful. That was a, yeah. seg a segue. Love it. Well, okay. it, is a, it, it is definitely uh, a Christmas time coming up. Uh, I'm sure everybody's got a lot of things to do between now and then, but uh, the only thing we're going to do is be grateful to God for what we have and who we are and the family and friends we have around us. Um, 
I do want to uh, recognize at the end of the show some a very special person that we lost today uh, re- regarding my family. Oh, uh, and I'll talk about that later. I'm going to talk about it now. Um, but uh, I want to I want to tell everyone that uh, uh, we will have many in, in 2022. We will have many more uh, guests on the show. Um, Pete and I. Uh, this has been a kind of an interesting um, a pairing, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, two guys who could not be more different. Uh, finding a common ground in Jesus. And we've had some, un, you know, uh, unusual people uh, affect us in our lives. I certainly have, for sure. You go from, you know, the wrestling industry and talking about Jesus now <laughs> with a former Elvis impersonator uh, or, or current, you know, Pete, you, you should still consider yourself an Elvis tribute artist. See, now you, now you went the right place. The Elvis impersonator, I don't really know how that was given birth. It, it was almost became a, uh, a kind of t- a title of levativity. There were people who, God bless them, were wonderful Elvis fans, but really didn't belong in the professional marketplace, but they went there anyway, and, and they called them Elvis impersonator. This guy thinks he's Elvis. Uh, that is maybe... A, a category for a few of the guys out there, bless their hearts. But an Elvis tribute act is a very gracious and honorable way to address it. We're paying tribute to the accomplishments and the amazingly, excuse me, the wonderful talent of Elvis. And um, it's a, it's an honor to be recognized in that community as, as a giver and a, as somebody who was able to deliver. But uh, really? yes, I am definitely still an Elvis tribute act. Um, uh, the two of my friends, Ted Torres, Martin, and Dwight Eisenhower and myself are putting together a tribute that will include all the eras of Elvis, the early years, the movie years, the comeback years, the army, and, and uh, of course, the touring in Las Vegas. And then I will try to pull it together and give you the feel of what he might be like as an older gent, because mm-hmm. that's what I am. You know what I mean? He he sure. would be, he'd be 85. I haven't quite hit the scale of 80. That's coming up, but I'm right. certainly uh, in my 70s. And, and and hint at what he might have been like had he still been with us. Sure. And, uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful concept. And then in the end, we'll all get together, maybe like in the round, like Elvis did in in uh, the comeback and the old Glenn Campbell days. Remember, they'd sit around and play. Oh, guitar sure. And yeah. It'd be great fun. Yeah. We're really looking forward to doing it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I, I think the concept, you know, people don't know what we're talking about. Pete's talked about it before and jokingly said, and, and I think that might have been, a, it might have been a joke when it started, Pete, but the whole idea of We Three Kings yeah. is, is a heck of a, a, that's a great little hook. Yeah, I it, like it. It really is. It really, really is. Yeah, I like it. A yeah, lot. I would. I I would love you to like keep that and latch on. Well, that certainly be one of the ideas. We'll we'll put it on the table. Let everybody vote. Um, we'll we'll do whatever is best for the. But I love, and also the thing about the king is very in, important to say, is that Elvis was so careful 
about reminding, no, I'm, I'm just a singer. The king is Jesus. And uh, then we as fans can say, wait just a second. If I'm not mistaken, the scripture says king of kings. So it's okay to have a king of rock and roll. Sure it is. You know, Jesus is still your king. If Michael Jackson can be the king of anything, I hope I haven't offended anybody. But if Michael Jackson can be a self-proclaimed king, then my sure. honor would go to Elvis who would say, I'm sorry, that's a title that might be beyond me, which in my opinion is not beyond him. Although mm -hmm. it's funny how you start splitting hairs here. We're really off the subject, but that's okay. We always circle back. I know, I know. But the king of rock and roll, ugh, that might be a title that would be closer to Little Richard and or Chuck Berry. But no, uh, father of rock and roll belongs with them. That that presence and that magnetic yeah. hypnosis that he had on us. I'm going uh, yeah. to let Elvis be the king of rock and roll. Well, it's interesting you saying that because back in the 50s, they called Bill Haley the king of rock and roll. Well, he was the first one I heard. Yeah. Take Rattle and Roll was the first rock and roll song I heard. Yeah. I have to check. I should check on this. I should know this. Yeah. But Rock Around the Clock might have come first. That was from the movie Blackboard Jungle. Sure but was. The first, the first Bill Haley song I heard was Shake, Rattle and Roll. My next door neighbor said, come on over here. I want you to hear that. Huh? Yeah, and it's interesting that people do associate Blackboard Jungle with Rock Around the Clock, but they forget there was another film called Rock Around the Clock that started with Rock Around the Clock. Sure, that, I'm going to guess that was probably an Alan Freed sort of project. It sure it. was. It starred Alan Freed and Bill Haley in the comments. Right. That was, sure was. But I, I got a feeling Blackboard Jungle came first. I'm just guessing on that one. No, it was, it was no guess. It sure did. Okay. It sure did come first. You bet. Um, interesting, because I associate Elvis. Come on, Elvis. I associate Elvis with his beautiful Christmas music. Oh, And yes. beautiful gospel music. And, uh, you know, you can't separate. When you're talking about beautiful music, you know, it, it's almost splitting hairs. It's almost uh, oxymoronic to be able to... Uh, separate the beauty of one music from another because music is music and it's all beautiful you know in the eye of the beholder particularly when you're talking about elvis who had such a beautiful voice and could pretty much sing any anything he wanted mm -hmm. um but shelly was the same way uh, last wednesday in fact he sang a lot of different kinds of songs um some in english some in italian um, some mostly operatic but uh, Elvis had the ability to to meld the kind of you know um, secular Christian music with Christian pop at the time, with Christmas music, which was always considered contemporary and popular. Um, but I always think of of Elvis Christmas music as being in some ways far more spiritual uh, than than some spiritual music. Because it connects to everybody. Everybody can relate to Christmas music. You know, now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself in trouble here and, and go enjoy, right ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, enjoy doing it. Here we go. When Elvis sings his Christmas music, to me it goes through the roof. I mean, here comes Santa Claus. Right, I, I love that. 
Well, it's Christmas time, pretty baby. I love, wait a second. Wait, I had no intention of doing this, but, uh, okay. Well, it's Christmas time, pretty baby. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I know, I couldn't, I couldn't let that go. They're sitting here. But, and he also does one of the most touching songs that he sings is, I'll be home for Christmas. Beautiful. Love Christmas. He gave some money. Things he he must have given away a million every Christmas. Oh but sure. When he sang traditional Christmas. I nearly had a fit. My dad. It was a fifty. It was uh yeah. It must have been the Christmas of fifty five, fifty six is when the Christmas album came out, and he there were two. One was him doing "Here Comes Santa Claus Down Santa Claus Lane." Those were wonderful, but when he sang the traditional Christmas. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I did not want that boat rocked. And and he had a he was good, he was Elvis, and I I get it. But when he as he got a little more mature, and he went to some lovely Christmas ballads, he sang them with a certain reverence, and he did not apply the Elvis um, wrench on his gospel music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he sang them beautifully, but I it's like I remember I was at the my dad gave me the table, came, you know, at the table for dinner, and I had been downstairs playing, I think the one that comes to me is Old Little Town of Bethlehem, and I started singing at the table like Elvis singing Old Little Town of Bethlehem, kind of making fun of it, and my dad said, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's like dad didn't want that mess with either, and my dad loved Elvis. But he did not want his Christmas carols messed with. Oh no, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, let's no, take no. them away from Elvis and give them back to Nat King Cole and turn the Christmas tree lights on. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, as a a bit of uh, musical trivia history. Come on. Do you happen to know where the Christmas song was written? Well, I I my only uh claim to fame is this is that i know who wrote it i'm trying to think where it might have been written not and because i know why christmas i think was written i think that was written in california by irving berlin because he was so upset that he wasn't thinking he wasn't seeing a white christmas but right. the christmas song written by mel torme i don't know where that was written it was written on the beach in hawaii in the middle of july oh my god that's a good one. Both Mel Torme and Irving Berlin were both New Yorkers. Yep. And both longed for that East Coast Christmas. Yep. You know, White Christmas was uh, was an ode to his uh, Irving Berlin's Christmases growing up. Sure. The fact that he was Jewish had nothing to do with the fact that he still loved Christmas. Yeah. And it's you know, interesting. Molly Goldberg. I mean, uh, who was a, a, a wonderful um, Jewish family on TV. Uh, the little girl wanted a Christmas tree because everybody else had one. And she says, but we're Jewish. And and Mata Goldberg says, well, maybe we can have a Hanukkah bush. You know what I mean? That's yeah, exactly. where that <laughs> came in. You know what I mean? The lovely way of sure. embracing the cultures. And uh, that's a that's a wonderful thing to see happen is when the two can bleed together i think well and that's a great segue for where we're going next um we are 
uh, in the home stretch of Christmas week. And it's it's interesting to see how uh, various cultures celebrate Christmas. And even those that are non-Christian are beginning to celebrate, you know, the joy of Christmas. Uh, the people who celebrate Kwanzaa cross the line. They cross they they cross pollinate Christmas and Kwanzaa uh, or they cross pollinate Christmas and Hanukkah uh, or Christmas and, and uh, you know, whatever the next one, big thing might be. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, and especially now in this society where you have so many families that are, in, you know, interrelationships and inter, um, international uh, origin, you know, we have my family, we have Jews in my family, we have blacks in my family. We have Hispanics in my family. And so it's kind of a melting pot. And that's what Christmas is becoming. And I want to talk about that a little bit, about how everybody seems to, you know, it's a t it really is a time when people are coming together. It really is a time of melding and to use the word melting into each other. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and, it's, and, and I think the world needs more of that. Absolutely. And I think what happened, as I remember as a boy, um, the it comes originally from the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And then I don't know how Santa Claus uh, got involved in that. But of course, the giving of gifts comes from the three wise men bringing gifts to the child. Yep. And also the... Um, spiritual essence of God the Father giving us his child, which is, besides the breath of life, the gift of his son is the next amazing gift that we, you know, we can't even come close to. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. about giving. And I think that the mature world took the opportunity to say, no matter what your spiritual walk may be, Let's all grab together this opportunity to share giving and kindness with each other and see if that doesn't begin to open a door that we might all walk through. It's interesting you mentioned Santa Claus and how Santa Claus plays into this. The truth behind Santa Claus, uh, not what people think. Uh, it was not a pagan doing that came up with the idea of Santa Claus. It was not even, in fact, a marketing executive on Madison Avenue. Santa Claus was a uh, derived from a real person. He was a Greek Orthodox priest named Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Remos. Um, he was actually a, a, an ordained Orthodox priest in the early Greek church. Um, when the church was uh, organized by the Roman Catholic, when the Roman Catholic Church pretty much ran the ch the church, the beginning church, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and Saint Nicholas was the giver of gifts. He he started out; it was giving gifts to the less fortunate. Um, when the word got around that Nicholas would come around. Children would hang their stockings, their wet stockings, by the fireplaces. And he would knock on the door and come in, and he would put a little gift in each 
stocking and then the you know the homeowners will let him out so i don't know where the whole coming down the chimney bit came from because he never you know nicholas never dropped down a chimney not ever once in his life um well, the story just kept getting better that's all well yeah but the truth the behind it is yeah you can write c okay let's and, let's keep making it better yeah, but the whole idea of the red suit and the beard, well, let me tell you something. He was, remember, he was a a high-ordained priest in the Greek Orthodox Church. His garments were red and white and gold, and the trimmings were black. I thought he might have just been watching too many Elvis shows, but that's okay. That's right. No. <laughs> No, he didn't read. He didn't raid Elvis's wardrobe. That's what I'm saying. You know, I, I, I'm saying, did he give scarves out? I get probably not. Probably not. No, no. He no. He well, he may have early on, but he certainly gave a lot of food away. He gave a, and, and started, you know, to, to he literally started to make toys. What to a give away. This, story is, this is, yeah. This is all true stuff. Yeah, I did a, an entire thing on. Where the the uh, evolution of Santa Claus came from, and and how did Santa become Santa? I and it all job. started with Nicholas Remos of uh, Patmos, Greece, who was oh, a, I a just legit think it's a love story. Greek Orthodox priest, uh, a high priest in the Greek Orthodox Church, and yeah, and even with like I said, the the whole garment thing. You know, the long flowing robe to the floor. He had this big hat um, that looked like, you know, kind of like what a modern bishop hat would wear, uh, the, the pointy hat. But Nicholas had a long, literally a long flowing white beard. And uh, he, you know, as, as most Greek men did back then. You know, the, of course, the younger guys had darker beards than the older guys. All the old timers like us, they all had white beards, you know, like like this one. <laughs> so you don't have a beard, so no, I you, gave it up. I gave it up for Christmas. Good for you, brother. But that's how Santa Claus uh, became a part of uh, Christmas tradition. Um, and uh, I want to remind people that it was not, never has been, a pagan introduction. There were rumors and, you know, uh, ramblings and rumblings that the old, oh, the, uh, the, the, that was a pagan thing. It was, you know, ritualistic. Well, no, stop. Stop being silly. Okay. Do your homework. Okay. Do the research. Do your homework. Find out what you're talking about before you open your mouth. Okay. And, and that's just as simple as it gets. He was, uh, he was a, uh, a priest. Saint well, Nicholas. Obviously, the church loved his work, and he probably was sainted, and that's where old Saint Nick comes from. He was, in fact, sainted, and you can still today, this very day, you can still see his body on display in a glass casket in Greece. Oh, wow. He is still on display. He has never been buried. That's that's he's, quite a story. It really is. He's I'm, never I'm, been buried. Just, His body is still, and there are several people that way. Uh, the um, the Saint Bernadette, 
the, the Catholic Saint Bernadette has never been buried. She is as beautiful today as the day she died at age 23 or 24. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Yeah, and she was a nun. She was a, a Catholic nun. Uh, the other one is Pope, uh, oh, what was his name? Um, there's a Pope who is, who has literally never been buried. He was considered a revered Pope. He's a... Um, He's at the Vatican encased in glass. I'll have to go on Google and find out who he is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, what is the, what's Pete Wilcox uh, and Linda and his uh, beautiful wife? What are you guys doing for, for Christmas? What's, uh, what's your plans for the upcoming week? Uh, really, just kind of putting the house in order. So that when the the uh, I'm going in as you know the operation January third when it come out uh, we can just be about to work but uh, um, uh, it's funny uh, Christmas really is for her and her grandchildren uh, we wish we could see them I'm terribly in love with her granddaughter uh, I love the boys but the boys gravitate to grandma and we didn't really have an opportunity together her granddaughter lived with us for about six months and she just became so very special i i think it's probably i just posted something on facebook the other night if god had blessed me with a daughter i would wanted it to have been her but uh uh it's it's just gonna be enjoying my life with linda the blessing of being with her and being able to center our life. I was talking to someone the other day about what I had done in my career and what I'd been up to and mm -hmm. how now the most important thing in my life and work is our podcasts, our outreach, our trying to be of service and, and make God happy with what's left in our lives. Yeah. And, uh, so that's really what we're aiming ourselves at. We'll have a lovely day together. I'm sure the same as you and your family. What's going on with you guys? Um. Oh my goodness. <laughs> food. Lots and lots of food. Yeah. yeah. Remember, we're Italian. We live for food. Everything revolves around the kitchen table. Um, Christmas cannot be Christmas without at least four meals a day, maybe five. Okay, um, we're, we will have, it's interesting, Christmas Eve, we're having Christmas Eve dinner at my parents' house. Four of the guests are Jewish, and they're all doctors. They're all, four guests are doctors. A husband and wife uh, times two. And they are my father's uh, cardiologist, his surgeon, the wife's surgeon, cardiologist surgeon <laughs> so four doctors will be there uh my wife and i'll be there um we probably have oh my god uh a, a handful of cousins i'm trying to remember who else is going to there's going to be about 30 of us yeah and that's a small gathering at the decipio household yeah, that's wonderful though it's, it's wonderful that family can come together and with absolutely no no problem just say gee it's nice to see you yeah that's and that's Christmas Eve, Pete. Now, Christmas Day, there will be breakfast, there will be lunch, and then there will be dinner served all day. Um, dinner will be uh, sausage, meatballs, 
We what else do we have in Christmas, Anita? I know a lot. Lasagna's in there. Roast beef. Oh, Italian rice balls and roast beef, along with meatballs and what else? And a sausage. Isn't no Orange lasagna? Chicken? No lasagna. No, no lasagna. No uh, Italian rice balls. Lasagna is my wife's gift to her family every year. I thought it was going to be uh, meatballs and sausage and roast beef, but apparently it's going to be meatballs, roast beef, Italian rice balls, which are delicious, by the way, and they're filled with green peas and ground meat, and they're absolutely delicious. Wow, okay. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go online and type in the word arancini. It's just and type it like it's spelled arancini. Well, I'm, I'm sure Linda knows it. And it's a big old fat rice ball. <laughs> yeah. And they are delicious. Um. Let's see dessert. Uh, I probably will not partake in dessert. Being a diabetic, I will. I'll have to eat modestly or moderately, um, unless I can sneak a piece of something. <laughs> Oh, sure. A, a sliver just like, to, see, to let the taste the go. I could do without the, the dinner. Give me the dessert. I know. I, I, <laughs> I know. Just give me dessert. I so know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we got going. Um, We will have uh, one more show next week. We will do uh, Tuesday. Uh, and that will be our last show. Uh, th- why is my dog barking? Uh, that will be our last show until probably, I'll tell you right now, until January, early January. So let's see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, next week will be our last show until January the 4th. January the 4th, I will be in a veteran's hospital. Oh, okay. Then we won't be here. Then we will do it the 11th. Okay. Okay. We'll skip Elvis's birthday and then just do it on the 11th. Now, wait a minute. What's next week? What's the day, the number, numerical number? Oh, yeah. Uh, Next week, we are going to be uh, the 20. Next week is the 21st. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, but listen, we talked about wanting to do just a little pre-Christmas this week and I did a little bit of homework, so I'm gonna pull it up. Um, Beautiful. I was looking, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, two of them don't discuss the, the birth at all. No, there's it's a reason Matthew, for that. It's, it's Luke and and Mark, John doesn't. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it might be Matthew. It's Matthew, Matthew and Luke. And uh, what was so charming in the one that I that I wanted to bring to you, and I'm sure you will know who all these people are and and chime in with me. But the first one, the the story begins in the in the, in the New Testament, uh, laying the groundwork is the angel Gabriel coming to the cousin of Mary. Yes, Elizabeth. Actually, the angel doesn't go there, but I'm just saying that's the connection. The wife. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, but the husband is Zechariah, and he's a Jewish priest, 
and he is at the altar in Jerusalem, and Gabriel appears and tells him, you're going to have a child. And very much like Abraham, he's saying, what are we talking here? I'm an old guy, yeah. and Elizabeth is old. We've never had children. We're not upset by that. We're both lovely, devoted people, but this can't be, can it? Yeah, and, right. And Gabriel says, I'm glad you asked. Not only can it be, <laughs> and Gabriel says, by the way, so you know who I am. I'm the guy who stands next to God. I'm in his presence. He sent me to let you know this is going to happen. But just so, just to put a little ding on it to keep you in line, you're not going to be able to speak yeah. until this happens. Yeah. No, and, he, and he's like, mm. so um, Elizabeth, he comes out of the uh, of the uh, altering area and people are saying, well, you were in a long time. Is everything okay? And he can't tell them. He can't speak. Yeah. So he tries to make, uh, you know, notice of what it is. I don't know if they had an alphabet yet. Probably the people around him couldn't read and write that well, if they could even do that. Sure. But he, of course, lets it, makes it known to Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth lets everybody know. And um, so now... They have this, she, she's kind of staying in hiding. She doesn't want to bring attention to the moment, but they're yeah. saying it's going to be a special child and he will not drink wine. He will not drink spirits. He is dedicated to God Almighty. He is to be a witness and a voice to the coming of the Messiah. Yeah. They, they, they're besides themselves. So while he's out on his road trip, he decides, well, not, he went home for a while. But then six months later, he drops in on Mary, this lovely little Jewish girl. I yeah. say that because we don't know how old she was, but she was certainly young because of the era and and the times. Oh, and sure, she, yeah. And 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 that Gabriel announces uh, who I am. Don't don't be afraid. She was very startled. Who is this amazing presence? And he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God Almighty, and you have been favored, that you are going to bring into the world a child. Doesn't tell who he is. Just, how can that be? I'm engaged to Joseph, but we've never been together. I'm a virgin. And he says, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will conceive. And this child's name will be Jesus. He will be the Messiah. He is the coming of, of God Almighty to his people to lead them to salvation. And, she's, and she says, then be, so be it. As you say it, so be it. And uh, then, of course, he's gone. But before he leaves town, he stops in at Joseph's house. Yeah. Joseph, are you sitting down? Yeah? What's up? Your your girl, your betrothed Mary, is going to have a child. Wait a minute. What are you talking <laughs> about here? Yeah. He said, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, the God of your people, has come upon her in his Holy Spirit. You two are being blessed by bringing the Messiah into the world and raising him. You know what's fun, fun for me to find out, because I never thought about it, when they say, thou son of David, 
Yeah. It's Joseph who's a descendant of King David, not Mary. No, 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 no. Absolutely. I didn't know that. But it but yeah. Joseph, jo, and Joseph being a loving, honorable man says, then that's it. I'll protect Mary. I'll keep her back from people. Mm -hmm. I don't want rumors. I don't want people talking because we haven't been married yet. And they they probably pull that together pretty quickly to save any embarrassment for Mary. But um, that is the, the the story and the warning trumpet blast of, uh, ladies and gentlemen, something's about to happen here. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that is almost as charming and miraculous. Oh, what was really wonderful, too, is Mary went to see uh, Elizabeth, uh, yeah. Shortly yeah. after, shortly after the announcement, and when she walked in the room, John, who was John the Baptist, jumped in Elizabeth's womb. She said, "When you came in, the baby jumped. The baby knows who is coming through you." Yes. and of course that's his cousin. And it was funny. I wondered, and of course my wife said, "Well, of course they did. You know, it's not talked about, but can you imagine?" John the Baptist and Jesus as young boys together? Oh, sure. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, it's interesting because they, they had very little contact with each, with each other growing up. How do we know that? Well, we because of the, of the historical record, think about something. You have to remember, Mary was, she was already stigmatized. Because she's having a child virtually out of wedlock. She's never been with her betrothed, but she, but yet she's having a baby, okay? They were never physically together. There's a stigma attached with that, okay? And that stigma, I remember, we're talking about old traditional Jews back in the day. You weren't, you were considered stigmatized. You were like, untouchable your hands off so it would stand the reason that jesus you know when and mary and joseph probably didn't have a lot of contact with their family they were much more accepted by outsiders than family because the outsiders didn't know their story that's the truth well no no i you know for a uh, a contribution to this frame of mind and scenario. The uncle, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they've told their story to their constituents, the people around them. Yeah, they all true. Been, because they don't have a, how are you having a baby? Zachariah's yeah. a priest. He's going to let you, because God Almighty came in the same way he did Abraham. And said, so all going to say, praise the Lord. Now, they're going to tell people the same thing is happening with Mary. And what might be is funny. when you In his protection, that's why I'm saying I bet they got married as quickly as possible. You know Joseph in his protect, loving protection says, Mary, we've got to get married right, right away. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> right away. And as far as the actual time when the baby is born, we're not going to be here. We're going to be out of town. Yeah, so exactly. That, that day will exactly. be covered and there won't be a moment of embarrassment. So I think that that awkward mo awkwardness was probably dealt with by the conditions. Uh, the family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. 
I, I absolutely agree with that. The other thing we have to remember, too, that children at the time were referred to, or I shouldn't say children, people at the time were referred to by their, not by their surname, but by the town where they were born, where the right. town they're from. Um, for example, Joseph of Arimathea was from Arimathea. Jesus of Nazareth wasn't born in Nazareth. I know. I was just thinking it wasn't Jesus of Bethlehem. That's not what they said. No, exactly. So the uh, and that's part of the, uh, that's part of the contention that a lot of people have with the whole divinity story. Is that, are we talking about the? They literally are saying, "Are we talking about the right Jesus all these years?" Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we are or not. We know that there's one God and one Jesus. Okay, that's as simple as that gets. Even though Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were very, very common names in that in that part of the world at that time, in every town there was a Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Literally. So. Were they from Bethlehem? No. They were from Nazareth. That's where they right. hailed from. That, well, that right. And that was where, actually, in a, in a loving way, that's where he was conceived. That's where the Holy Spirit exactly uh, that, you know, that's, brought you God's will it. to Mary. You, you got it. You absolutely finally, you got it. And that's the thing that people don't get. What Pete Wilcox just said is the linchpin. That's the truth. It's where they were from. Doesn't matter where you were born. It's where are you from? Yeah. You got to remember they were on the road. You know, Jesus and Mary. They were. She was pregnant. She's yeah. on the back of a of a donkey. You know, walking through the desert at night and and, and during the day, getting from one place to another. Took days. It took days to get to Bethlehem from where they were. They followed the star. Right? That's, no, that's the, the wise men. They followed the star. That was the wise men. Oh, it's true. It was. It was. It was but, Santa Claus that, that followed the groundhog. The wise men followed the star. And Joseph and Mary followed the reindeer. I'm not sure. I I, <laughs> I get it mixed up. But but bless your heart. I, you know, I, I couldn't let you get away with following the star. Well, there's um I'm gonna go with it though for whatever reason. I like that I like it. Um, no, no, I, I did true. too, but the I just thought, I don't know, want you well, to get busted. I don't want to get fan mail. <laughs> no, I want I, you know what? That's a good question. Pete and I are Pete and I are gonna put this question up to you. Where were they going? What were they following? We know the wise men were following the star. Were Jesus I'm and sorry, were were Mary and Joseph being led to Bethlehem, and if so, by what or by whom? Okay, no, they were going to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph had been born, and he had to return there for the census of Tiberius. That was the reason the for the trip that's to Bethlehem. Right. They had to go there to, for the census, right? And that's where he happened to be born, right? All right, Bethlehem. I, I think Bethlehem is uh, the city of David. It is. So that would that would be Joseph's connection. That's where yep, he's going. Sure is. Nazareth 
through history becomes the city of Jesus. It's interesting, though, that we don't call him Jesus of Bethlehem. No. It's well, you know, interesting. Funny, I, I'm speaking for myself. I was born in New York City, but I grew up in Connecticut. So where yeah. are you from? I'm from Connecticut, but I was a, I was born in New York City, yeah. but I grew up, you know, from three well, years old. People say years. to me, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. You know, I'm from, I'm, I was born in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. But, you know, and it's not all that far away, but I never uh, tell when people. When did you I'm move from, to Jersey? Oh, I guess well, I was 10, maybe. Oh, 10 wow. Okay. So you yeah, spent some like time that. there in Pennsylvania. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I grew up in Philadelphia. That's where I'm from. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, you know as a kid, I was a city kid. You know? But, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun growing up. We lived at my grandmother's house when my father had his house built here in New Jersey. And uh, I went to school in Philly, um, and I liked it. It was a good school. And then I came out here and met a whole, a whole bunch of crazy people that I, I thought were, you know, are, are they breathing the same air I am? Are they eating the same food I am? They're strange, these people. They're weird. What's wrong with these folks? How come they're not like the city kids? <laughs> yeah, you know? different animals. The city kids were different, though, Pete, you know? Sure they are. And these kids were all like, you know, country bunkins, you know? To me, at the time, to me, they were country bunkins. But I'll tell you but what. There's though. a kind of a city hipness that the parents are always on top of the children to be aware of what's around you. In the country, you can be a bit more relaxed. There isn't quite a, such a defensiveness. Yeah. It was, it was a, a lot more. Yeah, it sure was a lot more laid back. Yes. Yes, Absolutely, I, for sure. A lot sure. of times I wish I had grown up in the city. I think it would make me, you know, snappier. I would do business better. But at the same time, I I am so grateful to the gift that my dad gave me of Connecticut that, uh, yeah. oh, my goodness, it was like growing up in Disneyland. Oh, my, I'm sure it was. Sure it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, brother, I'll tell you what. It's been, whenever uh, we get started, it's a fast hour, man. Yeah. Whenever you and I start talking, it's like we, we, you know, Pete and I do this all the time. We we start off on a subject, we lose track. God brings us back, gets us back on the tracks again. Then the train starts rolling. The train rolls down the tracks until we get to the next station, and that's where we get off at. Well, we we always yeah we try try to tie a ribbon. We want to bring a. A message of love and godliness to you. Oh, absolutely. But we also invite you to just enjoy the the fun of Christian fellowship. Absolutely, that's what it's all about. Yeah, just two guys ha having you know conversation, and we're letting you in. You know, feel free to eavesdrop. That's what we're here next, for. Next next year, we're going to have to really make a little effort to get these guys to send us some uh, communications. Absolutely. Be we have we have the ability to do it. I actually have, uh, the, just just as a side note, the wrestling show is doing extremely well right now because I have a new producer, and he literally doesn't sleep. Like I mean, he literally doesn't sleep. This guy, because he's just working all the time, and he's going to start producing 
this show come January. Um, his name is Jake Hudson, uh, Hudson Entertainment, and he is really good at what he does. Um, interestingly, though, Pete, I'll tell you this. I'm going to let you in all of a sudden. He's autistic. Hmm. He's got autism, but he is a computer whiz kid. He's a genius. He is a literal genius when it comes to this medium that you and I are on. Right. And uh, we are going to start going, you know, virtual and we're going to go live and we're going to do uh, multi platforms uh, simultaneously. We're going to go from from Skype to Twitch to uh, to YouTube to Twitter, to Facebook. We're going to do live on Facebook. There's all kinds of uh, uh, neat little things we got planned. And bringing in more guests. One of the things that I've been wanting to do is to bring in more people to, to share their knowledge with us, to educate us, so we can enlighten and educate the masses, and uh, and that's what we got planned. So, uh, and I know Pete Wilcox is going to be here with me each and every Tuesday, and uh, so next week again is going to be our last show before Christmas, and then we will not reconvene until January the eleventh. All right, Pete, and we got to go to the uh, to the VA for you, the, the hospital or the. Uh, yes, it is. It's a hospital. Um, I tell you this, uh, I have a condition that's uh, a rather curious one. And it, because of its nature, it involves a lawsuit. And because yeah. of that, the lawyers have said, please don't give details or discuss it much. It could, gotcha. be, it could be difficult. But I do extend out to all our lovely people. Your prayers and your kindnesses are so appreciated. I know I have the Lord standing next to me, and there are so many wonderful things planned. Uh, I'm just going to have this, and we'll be back knocking them out in the next minute. All right, beautiful. And uh, and I want to close on um, a sad note, but an, an uplifting note as, at the same time. Um, a friend of my father, a, a guy he's known for probably 50 years, uh, and uh, and I grew up in this, you know, in this man's presence, um, passed away today. His name was Danny Hands, Daniel Hands. Um, he is uh, my father's neighbor. Um, people who live around my father, they all know each other. They all grew up together. They all have their houses built next to each other. There are four houses, four neighbors. One passed away last uh, this morning. I'm sorry, this morning. He had um, a heart attack last night in the hospital. And he went into cardiac arrest and they brought him back. He went into cardiac arrest again this morning and they lost him. Uh, he was uh, just a few years older than I am. In fact, I believe he may have been 68 or 69, uh, Dan Hands. So, uh, uh, Heavenly Father, we ask you to, um, to guide Danny's soul, 
to your resting place and uh, and have him and guide him. Watch over him. Watch over his family. They need you more than ever at this time. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. You know what to do, and uh, you know how to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so uh, the uplifting part is that he no longer has to deal with this world. And that's he is on a different level now. And uh, And for that, we should all celebrate. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And for Pete Wilcox, having coffee with the king, I am your somewhat younger host, <laughs> co-host. I'm Angelo DeCipio, Psychic Angelo, if you will. Until next time, next Tuesday, we will continue having coffee with the king. See you guys. Then. Pete, I'll see you next week. See you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.